Saved by the evil thrust upon their monarch, they pulled her down to evil lows. But she struck back with mirrored force and twisted them from serpent to avian monster in the most ugly way. Once sleek and elegant, smooth was their glide across all terrains. They fit most pleasingly alongside us in the beauty of the Feywild. Hobbled now they were, jokingly winged, crookedly beaked, hideously molted and mottled and bent of back. The Naga from high and low, major and minor, good and evil, with powerful magics intact, became the Nagpa. And there was to be no rapture for the raptors, as they stripped beauty from our queen and identity from our people. They now replicate their catastrophes upon the worlds around them, sifting through the wreckage rot. But in this, they expose themselves, and we wait, survive, and strike. They are hunted by a new doom from the greatest mirror land of them all, where all detail is kept in memory in place of physical form. The silhouette of all worlds. In the shadow fell, agents of the Raven Queen await. Hey there, creatures, and welcome to Encounter This, a podcast exploration of the creatures from Dungeons and Dragons and the lore that surrounds them. Hello there, creatures, and welcome to the fourth and final part of Nogist. I am one of your hosts, James, the Chamberlain Kid, and with me as always, Fritch. <laughs> I have been drinking. <laughs> we both have. We're, we're recording all these in a row, guys. <laughs> and with me as always... That heavenly voice is Freeman, the <laughs> ritual master, Iceton, and he is going to both be taking us through and explaining why we added this to Nagist, <laughs> the Nagpa from Morden Kane and Tomafos on page two hundred fifteen. Oh, the Nagpa! The Nagpa is in Nagist for the same reason Orocs and Rocks were in October. These are all his ideas, vaguely, listeners. These these are vague. not like. Vaguely similar to the sound of. <laughs> yeah. Tangentially related in the worst possible way. Well, sometimes you get a... I mean, we did October, and we realized it was five weeks. We're like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> we need to fill this out. Aurochs and rocks. Yeah. That, that was the solution. You know, yeah, from me. Uh, you're right. <laughs> and this, the same here. We need four. And we were like, oh, we could break down Nagus and... and Three. Oh shit, we need four. <laughs> Here we are. Nagpa. <laughs> Completely and utterly unrelated. <laughs> I feel like you've done it in one other suite too, but I can't come up with it's it off the top of my head. Entirely possible, yes. <laughs> um that's my that's my that's how I contribute to this. <laughs> it's those really weird ideas. Um you know what? I'm sure it's a nice brush of fresh air after talking about all those uh, all them snake people. <laughs> James is all about structure. I'm all about the chaos. Um, yeah, the old Nagpa. Um, these creatures, I actually you love... You say that like it's a classic I should have heard of. 
No, honestly, no, actually. If, if anyone's listening to this and is well-versed in D&D lore and have never heard of the Nagpa, or Nagpa, I don't know how to say it, um, I would not be surprised, because you know what? They don't exist on the Forgotten Realms wiki either. Like, they don't, they're not even there. Um, wow. Yeah, so, but that, that, of course, did not stop me, or they're barely there, I should say. They don't have their own entry for now. Um, but they're in Morden Kanan's Tome of Foes, and uh, this did not stop me necessarily from going down a bit of a, a bit of a Forgotten Realms uh, wiki uh, hole, as it were, um, because their story is in the book in, in Morden Kanan's Tome is quite short, um, but there's a really cool backstory that is connected to them that I love, and that's what I'm going to start with. Uh, something right, I've something I've I've labeled as a brief and sad history of an elven queen. Now, long ago, it is believed an elven queen from the Feywild witnessed the conflict between Corellin, creator of elves known as the Protector, and Loth, queen of spiders, and the demon wed Pits, cruel goddess of the Drow. She worried the elven queen that is that the conflict would permanently divide the elven pantheon known as the Seldarine, and she called upon her followers to help her perform a ritual that would grant her the power to become a god and reach Arvindor, the first layer of the outer plane or Arborea, chaotic good plane. With this power, she would be on equal footing and hoped that that would grant her the leverage she needed to appeal to Corellin's and Loth's more sensible sides. The ritual involved her followers willingly offering their magic and souls to add to her power. And her followers were known as the Shadar Kai. Oh, shit. <laughs> they firmly believed their queen could, in fact, reunify the Pantheon. And they followed and sacrificed faithfully. Well, all but a few. A few opportunistic and evil wizards among her followers with a thirst for their own power. Thirteen wizards attempted to divert some of the power from the ritual into themselves to increase their own. And moments before the ritual was complete, the queen exacted a divine punishment upon them. The act corrupted the ritual and cast her and her followers, the Shadar Kai, into the Shadowfell, or the Shadow Plane, where the queen died instantly. The ritual, despite the corruption, was complete, and the queen rose from the ashes with her new divine power. Grief and madness overcame her, and she cursed the wizards, transforming them into hideous avian creatures known as Nagpa, banishing them to wander the plains forever. And the corruption of the ritual continues to manifest itself in the queen, her form, this is a quote, her form dissolving into disconnected sensory perceptions. Adding insult to injury, Corellin and Loth both considered her actions treasonous, and erased all memory of her from all elven kind. The, 
queen then latched onto her own existence using only the lingering memories of her, of herself, within the shadow plane, that reflection of memories within the shadow plane. And the realm itself sustained her identity. She became known as the Raven Queen. I did not know that was the story, but the second you said Shatter Kai, I knew where it was going, and I was still just enchanted. How fucking awesome is that? <laughs> That's amazing. And so there are only thirteen Nagpa, is what I'm. What I'm only up thirteen. This. Yeah, and they are all believed to still be alive within within the D and D timeline universe. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. So, uh, really cool, eh? Really cool story. <laughs> that, because it was, the, the, I think it was the Raven Queen was mentioned. They fear the Raven Queen, uh, the Nagpa. Uh, and I was, but they didn't, didn't really elaborate in Morden Canaan. So I was like, well, let me learn a little bit more the, about the Raven Queen. Oh, man. I was just like page turner, you know? So I broke it all down in, yeah. in, in the simplest bullet points I could. But yeah, what a cool story. That's I really so want to talk about Shatter Kai in the future now. <laughs> I, want, I, didn't, I didn't go down that hole on purpose because I really want to cover them soon, I think. It'd be really they're fun. They're really cool. I've looked into them quite a bit. And they're a playable like, sub-race of, of elves, right? So, yep. really cool. Um, yeah, so the Nagpa, uh, they uh, feared the Raven Queen, rightly so. <laughs> they, they did a bad thing. <laughs> A real bad thing. That, I mean, just think about that. They they stole a bit of the power from that ritual and caused her death. Uh, and and uh, in turn got a corrupt uh, a curse. They corrupted the whole ritual and basically, you know, ended up being part of the reason why Corellin and and Lolf erased uh, erased this queen, the Raven Queen, from the memory of all elves. Which I can only assume has separated her from the Shadar Kai, and the Shadar Kai are you know it must be it must be a big part of their story. Uh, uh, they must have this, this ignorant hole in their backstory uh, and history. Um, so I'm really stoked to cover that. <laughs> uh, now, because the Nagpa fear the Raven Queen, they avoid her and her agents at all cost. Um. And when it is impossible, they become pathetic, fawning, and cringeworthy creatures, eager to please in any way in order to avoid the entity that has laid them so low. And apropos of that, right. like I said earlier, all 13 are said to remain alive thanks to their cunning and their willingness to do absolutely anything to survive. Uh, pause for thoughts and comments. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm just still kind of reeling at the story of the Raven Queen. Right? I didn't realize it was that. Um, like, I know that she's like this dark, grief-struck. Right. I think it had such positive roots. Right. Um, yeah, she really I wanted don't to give like a shit about the Nagpa. Yeah, but like her story just sounds so good. Yeah, she wanted to like you know you know. Re- reunify the Seldry, that the Elven Pantheon, because they were at in, uh, near the point of of all out war between gods, and yeah. her and her followers believed she could do it and were willingly sacrificing themselves in 
like a pretty extraordinary way not just their own magical ability their own souls go you know being sacrificed to go her for power to, to, to make this happen and like right really, and when the ritual fails they just end up in the shadow fell well that's it the ritual doesn't just, fail it gets corrupted but completes right you know and it's just this big so, slap in the face and oh on top of that you know the, the treasonous assumption from from Karelin and both uh, it's just it's the worst possible uh, you know result is that essentially despite having yeah. been successful <laughs> it's crazy yeah and not only that she ruined the existence of all of her followers like yep so i i guess i'm assuming that anybody didn't die got pulled into the into the shadow because i, 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 I believe that's Parlance, the case the shatter kai are elves that have been corrupted beyond recognition by the shadow fell. Yeah, I, I'm quite sure that the, that everyone was was transferred within the ritual to the shadow plane. Yeah. And it was only the queen that died instantly. Uh, I'm quite sure that's true. And yeah, so it's a really intense moment. So the Shatterkai were extremely good and faithful to their queen, shifted through from the corruption, and then immediately, you know, uh, lose all memory of the reason they did it in the first place. All because of right. two fickle, selfish gods and thirteen so evil, I, selfish wizards. <laughs> I I don't actually know if the Shattered Kai lost the memory of why they did it because they are still servants to the Raven. Are they okay? Oh, see, now now I yeah, really want to cover it. Like I think it'd be yeah. Really as fun. far as I remember, they're they're servants to the Raven. Yeah, we we should we should prioritize this because it's a cool story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really cool. Yeah. story. Um, and then these these old fucking bird wizards are just <laughs> dicks yeah. running around. They're still being around dicks yeah. for millennia. So they've been yeah they've been cursed to wander the plains. So they spend their time plotting and conspiring uh, just as much as they ever did. Uh, and they aim they actually have a, a particular aim to cause world shaking calamities and pick through the wreckage to find power and secrets for themselves because the um uh the curse that was laid upon them um forces them to destroy before they can acquire. So basically, they cannot gain new knowledge or lore unless it comes from the ruins of fallen civilizations or that of Great Calamity. So they have to go out of their way to d destroy at an immense scale before they can increase their own power. And then they have to right. pick through what remains, which automatically limits how much they can acquire. So it's this like they still have this ability to increase their own power, but it's at a much slower rate than I'm sure they would prefer. <laughs> right. Yeah. It makes me wonder if they had anything to do with like like the fall of one of the previous ages, you know. Right. One of the great underlying themes in Dungeons and Dragons, the most fantasy TTRPGs, is that like there was this great magical civilization in five E parlance, specifically mm -hmm. the Forgotten Realms, it was the Netherese who right. like, had this utopian society with science and magic and shit that created all of the magic items. So, like when you find a plus one longsword, you are just rediscovering this this magic that the Netherese just imbued into this right, weapon, yeah. you know, a thousand years ago. Mm -hmm. So it makes me wonder if they had like a hand in any of that stuff, just like like burying this previous age, right? Because it, it, that's essentially what's happened is this past. Uh, past time has gone away and we're rediscovering all the treasures that are still incredibly valuable. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, and I, I definitely, I definitely am on board with that. I believe it because, like, part of their whole shtick is like they they get into those ruins and they pick over anything from libraries to treasure vaults, right? And they just what they really want is powerful lore and arcane knowledge. But like, you know, those magical items along the way um, would also be very important and useful, or at the very least, you know, uh, suddenly once they get digging. You know, they open up these vaults, and now it's ripe, ripe for the picking, right? Um, for treasure hunters and whatnot. Yeah. So that that all lines up. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, like spoilers for Frostmaid, but that's pretty much where you guys are at. Right. You are about to start exploring this fallen Netherese city. Right. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> How awesome it would be if a magpie was spotted. <laughs> yeah yeah for like this thing falling. yeah uh well the so the nagpa that like they they have like this need to destroy right essentially uh it's not just because of the curse but they have a lust for power so they like they really want to do it like even even though they were caught and cursed you know they're they're uh they're still the same you know they they really want that more power and uh but that is mixed with their desperation to survive. Uh, and that sort of makes them master manipulators. So, uh, having been accomplished spellcasters since before their curse, they have learned to use their power and skill to manipulate from the shadows and pulling strings on unsuspecting accomplices and leading them to their own destruction. Uh, they have incredible patience and always have several plots at varying stages on the go, and if one fails, they just refocus on another, and they never really rest from their scheme. They only reveal themselves at the final blow of a plan, reveling in the devastation that they have wrought. So they're kind of like that classic villain where they, you know, they let their, um, let their plan, uh, bring their plan to light, but, but really when it's too late, stop. Um, and they right. revel it's very Moriarty-esque. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, like they know they've already won. They're not sure. They know it. Um, and th- yeah. that to me makes these creatures awesome for uh, an overarching campaign hook, which I wasn't expecting. Like you have thirteen options here, and now we're not going to go through thirteen stat blocks. They 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 just give one stat block, just just so you know, but. Okay. It is just that that to me, um, that lore it just screams, customize the stat block. Just you know, and and you know you can probably tell already they're going to be spellcasters. So they they are evil wizards originally. Um, but go to town, go to town on creating unique versions of creatures. Uh, you know, all they do is try and survive. There are thirteen of them, and they've all survived. They all have different plans in place and they're wizards but they can switch out all the spells they want for all kinds of shit because they've been around for a long long time this would also be a good time to uh to well we're not in homebrew yet but i i would also recommend looking at some of the sorcerer meta magic abilities Mm -hmm. uh for sure yeah like give give them a a little extra craziness i'm down yeah and I mean, more more in my eyes, like, they've been doing this for a thousand years. Like, they understand the underlying root of fancy magic, so they're 
they're able to change it and manipulate it in a way that where a source when a sorcerer does it it's um uh reactive right not i'm not going to twin this spell the spell twins because that's what you need it to do it's innate right these guys could figure out just how to okay i you know, after 7,000 years, I have discovered how to twin a lightning bolt spell that I cast from right. my Right. That's fun. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, totally appropriate, uh, I think. Um, we'll get into the stat block soon um, to talk about flexibility in, in homebrew. Um, but uh, to start, I actually want to, I want to pop in uh, a little bit late now, but I, this is where I wanted to do it. Uh, pop in the artwork for this creature for you to look at. Yeah. It's like this hunchback buzzard. Yeah. And just like hunched over, they're nearly in a ball. These wicked talons that are short, crude, and holding like a little staff, um, tattered, tattered robe over their hunch. Um, and um, they particularly remind me of, and it's impossible for me to not see them as influenced by the Skeksis from the Dark Crystal. I don't know how familiar you are with the Dark Crystal, but... Never seen it. No? Oh. So the Skeksis are really, really weird, interesting. I mean, for such an early um, uh, early movie, it was mid to late 80s. Uh, this is Jim Henson, puppeteer kind of stuff. I'll show you another picture real quick. You should be able to immediately see the the possible influence. Yeah, yeah, okay. Aesthetic. I've seen this this photo before. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the, the, hint, the hint that I gave uh, at the end of the last episode uh, is actually an iconic noise of like the most prominent character from the Dark Crystal our most prominent Skeksis character from the Dark Crystal film, uh, known as Chamberlain, and like everywhere he goes, he's like, just like this constant whine. And it's like creepy, but a little bit weird. It's like actually a really odd creative choice. But like I know friends back home that grew up watching the Dark Crystal, and it's it's like not really for children. It's dark, and and like if you do that, they kind of get weirded out. It like gave them nightmares as children. <laughs> Just that noise right. alone. Um, the Skeksis. Yeah, I've heard great things. I just never made the time. It is really good. I, I watched the film not that long ago, and there was a Netflix series uh, called The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, uh, and a couple graphic novels, too, I think. And um, it, the Netflix series was cut short. It's, I mean, it's puppeteering, so it's always very expensive to make. Um, but uh, the Jim Henson Company still has, like, ideas to continue that series should someone pick it up uh which is really, really cool i haven't actually watched the full the full first netflix series but I, i'm it's on my list now now that i've, I've gone down the rabbit hole a little bit. um right so the skexis you know dark crystal universe they're humanoid but they were specifically described as a mix of avian and reptilian features which we know you know if you go back and listen to dinosaurs <laughs> We know there's a little mixture in there sometimes from, from a visual point of view. Uh, the concept artist... And genetic. Yeah, and genetic, yeah. Um, concept artist Brian Froud, uh, who famously worked with um, Jim Henson Company for a while. He, he did 
uh, dark, helped with Dark Crystal and Labyrinth, and I believe he was also responsible for, um, I think he had a hand in some of the Fraggle Rock stuff, uh, and uh, we, uh, uh, Never Ending Story as well. Anyway, really, really cool concept artist. Um, he described them as part reptile, part predatory bird, part dragon. And uh, the Skeksis were corrupt and few in number and constantly manipulating and scheming and prioritizing their own survival. So right in line with the Nugba. Uh Major difference would be that their, their individual selfishness caused them to um, really bite inwardly as well. They were constantly turning on each other. They have like a really, like every single Skeksis, there's only so many of them and they all have like very particular personalities. So like taking from them with your Nagpa influence, I think would be really, really neat um, and uh, a really interesting route to go. Um, the Jim, Jim Henson said that he was inspired to create the Skeksis after reading an illustrated edition of a Lewis Carroll poem that showed two crocodiles elegantly dressed in a bathroom. And he loved the idea of a reptilian race being in control of a world that was once, you know, sort of splendid and civilized. So to me, that sort of reason to like the Nagpa pick clean the ruins of, of uh, the things that have been destroyed. And they, they take what they can from it to improve themselves. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, there's no direct reference that this is where the Nagpa come from, but I, I see a, a few parallels there that, that make sense to me. Um, and like, there's a long list of these, these Skeksis and, and like, there's like the, uh, the ritual master and there's the general and there's like the scientists and there's a, there's a whole number of them, uh, that have a very unique personality. And they're basically like, they draw power from the dark crystal and, and save, enslave the Gelflings across the, the world of Thra. And it's a, it's a whole very classic, but like also a very unique world and setting and tale right yeah i'm i'm looking at some pictures of the the gelflings mm -hmm. right now and there's no world in which i can watch this movie <laughs> it, it, creepy man yeah yeah they're just so uncanny valley that i i don't yeah. i i don't i don't have it in if you look at like if you just look at brian froud uh if you just google that and look at the artwork like it's unique but like extremely recognizable we've just just seen it in in different media all over the place, I feel like, and at least I have like it. I and I love the art style and the concept. I absolutely love it. Um, I think it's really really it's these weird long nose faces. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm big. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, a couple of fun facts about the original film too is that the puppets for the Skeksis. Uh, each individual one was controlled by up to six puppeteers at a single time. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> the main puppeteer would actually wear the puppet. They were quite large. And it was like, covered in robes and a, and a puppet head that was very heavy. They have like, a TV monitor that was worn on the waist to like give them a sense of direction. And there would be a second puppeteer that controlled the right hand uh, but also inside the costume. So you kind of had two people inside. And then up to four technicians would control the facial features at any given time. And the most present Skeksis is uh, Skeksil, that's the Chamberlain. 
whose puppet had over 20 separate mechanical functions on it. We're talking, wow. we're talking like mid 80s. This is like really 82. intense. 82? Early 80s. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. It's, it holds up, man. Yeah, it's crazy. So it probably would have been filmed in the late 70s. Mm. Or started filming in the late 70s, which yeah. means puppet design would have begun in the late 70s. Uh, really cool. I think it's such an underrated medium, and I wish we had more of it. Apparently, extremely expensive. It doesn't make a lot of money. But uh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, these 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 gelf are just horrifying. <laughs> I, I can't watch it. They and they're the good guys. <laughs> well, ish. Yeah, I don't mind yeah. the Skeksis. They look kind of kind of cool. Um, <laughs> everything's kind of it, it. It's almost like done in a like a brown wash. It's almost like Herbert esque. Yeah. But, yeah, those, the, yeah it, I, I'm, I get really weirded out by anything with glass eyes, and they clearly have the oh, same yeah. kind of glass yeah. eyes as like 1960s dolls, and I just Hell yeah. I cannot fuck with those. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I can't yeah. do it. The um, uh, one last thing I have here is that Jim Henson was quoted saying, "There were days I could work inside my Skeksis character, the High Priest, Ritual Master, without noticing the weight." But if I was feeling the least bit tired or run down, it was as if a building had caved in. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Just grueling, grueling work. So dramatic. <laughs> the man was a legend. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, uh, that's uh, what I get for cultural reference lore anyway and the old Nagpa. yeah i mean it, it adds up um i can't really think of anything that would even come close to uh the, the skexis here so yeah um you know i'll tell you right now that uh i would be worried if there was any crystallization in my dark blackmail stout <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that, but I I think you landed it. <laughs> Did I? Uh, it's, well, it's always a stretch. <laughs> yeah, they're they're never good. <laughs> and I think that's why people like us <laughs> because we're not that uh, good. But yeah, I don't know. But I don't know. Listeners, let us know why you think these nagpas. Really good so far. I'm really, really enjoying these. Yeah. I, I just thought this was going to be like, you know, 20 minutes of bullshit. Nope. Or you've put together as well as the cultural revelance. Like, this is, this is <laughs> a, a proper essay at this yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> Something else. Yeah. I, 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 was, I was also shocked when I was reading. I was like, I am so into this right now. <laughs> I love it. I think, I honestly think these, a series of these, of these Nagba, not even necessarily 13 of them, but like, you know, a select few could make a really good. If you if you work them went work them in somehow, you can make a really, really good, just just yeah. just that premise alone. Um, you have so much; they don't give you a lot to work with, and say when it comes to variation. But like, you know, you could do whatever you want with them, kind of thing. And and remember that they're powerful creatures. Um, speaking of which, what CR would you guess they are? Um, twelve. 14, like, I want to go high, but I also don't want to give him two credit, because it is 5e. 17. Wow. 
Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm oh, interested to see yeah. how you prove to me that this bird sorcerer is a CR-17. But... <laughs> uh, well, we'll start off with um, the AC of 19 with natural armor, uh, which is not terribly high for a CR-17. Um, still have a speed of 30 feet, 187 HP, or if you really want to go far with the math, 34 D8 plus 34. Um, okay. They're medium, they're humanoids. Nagba in parentheses. Uh, neutral evil. Um, this is a, a, a kind of an uncommon one. Perhaps a, a more recent one is languages are common plus five others. Your choice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like that. Yeah. I like that they're finally giving us permission to do that. <laughs> um, otherwise... I've been doing that for years. Otherwise, no... no Really, no additional resistance immunities or anything like that. They're they're pretty clean slate in that. Uh, they've got a couple abilities. One's called corruption. It's a bonus okay. action, and it's one creature within ninety feet. The DC twenty charisma save, or be charmed until the start of the Nagpa's next turn. Okay, bonus. That's action. not bad for a bonus action. <laughs> yeah. Success grants immunity for twenty four hours. However, an evil creature. Has disadvantage on the saving throw, so they're much more easy to sway. Right. Uh, next okay. ability is paralysis. This is a recharge ability on six. So reminder on okay. that because I always so it's not that high. Yeah, I always forget these ones, but it's the you roll a d6, and if it lands on the range of numbers, then then you get it. You get it back. So it, it is yeah, it has to be at the start six. of your turn. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Also a bonus action, paralysis. Every creature within 30 feet. Oh, wow. DC 20 wisdom save or be paralyzed for one minute. Repeat saving throw end of your turn. Undead and constructs. Yeah, that kind of deflates your emphasis on the one minute. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's, but it's it is still DC possible 20. to continuously fail. Because like, you're not going to yeah. break out because you're taking damage. You're, you have to make that save, right? Um, right. So... It's not likely that everyone's going to be paralyzed for several rounds in a turn, but it's possible. Um, and, uh, and then we have your favorite spellcasting. Uh, I'm going to skip it real quick just because we, uh, we have attacks. They have a staff. It's plus 8 to hit, 2d6 plus 2 bludgeoning. Very boring. Uh, spellcasting. Okay. <laughs> um, there are 15th level spellcasters. Intelligence is a modifier. Uh, DC's 20, 12 spell attack. Uh, and they have a laundry list of spells. Uh, cantrips, chill touch, firebolt, mage hand, message, minor illusion. First, uh, first level, four slots, charm person, detect magic, protection from good, witch bolt, all pretty basic. Second, three slots, hold person, ray of enfeeblement, suggestion. Third slot, three, uh, third spells, uh, three slots, counter spell, fireball, we all always say very dangerous, fly. Fourth level, yep. three slots, confusion. Hallucinatory Terrain, Wall of Fire. Fifth level, two slots. Dominate Person, Dream, and Geish. The very, very commonly mispronounced Geish. <laughs> <laughs> That's G-E-A-S spell, everyone. If you're ever wondering how to say it, it's an old Irish term or Irish word, Geish. Um, yeah, we went over that in one of our previous yeah. episodes. <laughs> and we'll probably go over it again. <laughs> um, 
sixth one slot circle of death and disintegrate seventh level one slot etherealness prismatic spray eighth level one slot feeble mind okay that's a pretty hardcore spell list yeah there's a there's a lot going on there now uh i really like the inclusion of hallucinatory terrain even though i don't think you would ever really use it <laughs> Uh, I mean, let's let's take a look at it. Uh, we might as well over here, right? Um, sure. Hallucinatory terrain makes natural terrain within a hundred and fifty foot cube in range look and sound and smell like some other sort of natural terrain. Thus, opening fields or roads or open fields or roads can be made to resemble a swamp, hill, crevasse, or some other difficult or impassable terrain. A pond can be made to seem like a grassy meadow, a precipice like a gentle slope. Or a rock strewn gully, like a wide and rope. Manufactured structures, equipment, creatures within the area aren't changed. Appearance. The tactile characteristics of the trainer unchanged, so creatures entering the area are likely to see through the illusion. If the difference isn't obvious by touch, a creature carefully examining the illusion can attempt intelligence check uh, investigation against the Creature who discerns the illusion for what it is. Sees it as a vague image superimposed on the terrain. That was a direct read of the description of that uh, spell. You can imagine how this is used to avoid combat. Yes, very much so. This is a this is a pre-game sort of spell, which is 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 great. I'm not trying to take away yeah. from it. I I really like the spell. I just again I don't currently I don't see a whole lot of so i imagine this as this is sort of like a a permission to the dm to say you can introduce this creature very early and fool the players into thinking it's like on the other side of like a ravine and you know and teasing them in in some sort of like you know evil villain sort of way only for them to find out later that that ravine never existed that literally could have walked up you know, and they're like, oh, damn, you know, oh, oh okay. we should have done that. We should have done that. But little do they know, no, they shouldn't have because that this creature will absolutely murder you. <laughs> right. So like, right. Just and having a, a legitimate mechanic to make that happen. Essentially. OK, yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. You've got me on your side. Um, Dream is one that uh, kind of stands out to me, too. It's a uh, it's a uh, I, mean, I don't know this one very well, but it's. Um, you basically target someone um, that's on the same plane as existence as you, as you um, and sort of you I think you send a messenger into their dreams uh, that can converse with them as long as they remain asleep. And the messenger, messenger can also shape the environment of the dream and create landscapes, objects, uh, and this is like, you know, it's a really long description, so I'm not going to read it, but it's a really obvious way of manipulation, right? So if you're getting right. into like some really mind manipulation sort of storytelling where people are having repetitive dreams and there's someone always coming to them and giving them information, doing this, doing that, and some of it comes turns it to be true or not true or something like that, that's just, that's just the dog manipulating event, steering you in the direction that they want. Something fun to play with. 
Right. Again, permission yeah, to the yeah, DM. Yeah, Dream is. Yeah, it's uh, it 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 is a solid like world building spell, and I I like that a lot. Yeah. And then you have things like Circle uh, of Death. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to talk about that one. Yeah. <laughs> is this a new spell that I haven't seen before? Like, is this a Morden Canaan? Um, exclusive? I actually or don't know off the top of my head. Do you know I offhand? Know. It's, I mean, it's a six level spell, I... so it's pretty up there. But Yeah, I just I don't think I've ever heard of this. It's a 60 foot radius sphere um, that you can point within 150 foot range. Uh, con save or 8d6 necrotic on a fail save. Half a... So it's, it's right in there with Blight, which we talked about last episode. Um, yeah. sim- similar concept. Um, but just, just a big burst. Uh, necrotic damage spell. Yeah, it reads like a great spell. I mean, yeah. the areas double the the blight. Yeah, and when you it's, when it's, you up it, it increases by two d six. Yeah, I guess I just never seen this one before. I mean, class disintegrate, huge damage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it disintegrates a saver suck. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And when you've only got one spell slot, do you want to save or suck, or do you want to uh, circle of death? That's, yeah, that's always the question in the old the old spellcaster's mind, right? <laughs> do we go yeah. for more damage I mean, with or DC twenty? Yeah, yeah, DC twenty. You never know. Yeah, but DC twenty, and um, disintegrate is a dex save, so. That's that's a tough one. Most creatures are gonna max their decks. Yeah. Well, most smart one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Dex is so powerful in five E that it, it would be silly to ignore it. Mm. Uh, not not that I'm saying you should, listeners. If you <laughs> want to play a Dex capped creature, like by all means Do it. Um just be aware that dis- disintegrate is five D or ten D six plus forty. <laughs> Uh, and it is force damage, so you're probably not going to be able to resist. It. Nope. <laughs> uh, there's etherealness, which is a very good defensive spell. Um, and prismatic spray, a crazy classic. All the all yeah. different colors, everything. Um, evil mind is that's a big one. That's a big eighth level spell. Blast the I feel like that might be the highest level spell we've ever talked about. It's possible. I think so. Yeah. Uh, it's a, what we got here? It's a 4d6 psychic damage, which is low, but intelligence saving throw. Failed save, a creature's intelligence and charisma score becomes one. Yep. Yeah. The creature can't cast uh, spells, activate items, understand language, or communicate in any intelligible way. The creature can, however, identify its friends. Follow them, even protect them. At the end of every thirty days, repeated saving throw against the spell. He's on the spell. Spell it. Uh, yeah, greater restoration. I, I love this healer, spell. I actually, honestly, it's a part of me that feels like that's actually a very version of the spell compared to like Pathfinder. <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. in other editions, I'm sure there was no other save. Yeah. Um, uh, and I don't think Greater Restoration is that high of a level either. But even just like the yeah, I can still follow you around and protect you level. kind of act, uh, part of it is like, you know, very forgiving. 
Well, you don't want to mess with a player's fun. I could no, I I completely understand why they've done it though. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, you've already ruined their character. Yeah. You just you, want, you, just you still want, want them to be able to fun. interact with the game. That's why they've added that in. Yeah. Or it's like yeah, and greater restoration's only 5th level, yeah. so it's not not that high. Um Yeah. So uh yeah. Yeah, uh Evil Mind is a great spell. I think it's I think it's really interesting, and I think it would really change the dynamic of a party and mm-hmm. have, uh, especially if if um, if you have like you hit a, a wizard or a bard with it, um, or even a sorcerer. Like this is the kind of spell that will make your party rethink their their entire party dynamic, yeah. and I think that's an interesting conversation for them to have at the table. So I think so what I think with with the Nagpa in this stat block is I think it's super customizable. Um, I think, uh, but that would involve like sort of swapping out spell options, which can be a bit of a, a headache. Um, so it's a lot of uh, pre-prep work. Happens. But I love the idea that they are master manipulators and they, they sort of, you know, very subtly get people and other creatures to kind of, be on their side and do what they want. Even if it's not a direct, um, you know, uh, spell usage. You know, you can see everything they have is in that direction. Gaish, and Gaish is great. Like, great, Gaish is one of those spells where, you know, someone has to do a certain, a very particular task. Uh, and if they don't, then they take damage or something like that, right? So, um, I love the idea of having a Nagpa redo their own spell list based on who they have on hand time. So imagine imagine if they, they managed to manipulate a defensive creature, such as, say, the Guardian Nug. Uh, and uh, that gives, gives them the feeling that they have the freedom to swap their spells up for more offensive options and less manipulative options. Um, maybe they've got enough uh, one of the Nagpas has enough uh, in the way of, of followers and um, uh, they want to actually focus on defensive options so that they can protect themselves and their hyper-aggressive and manipulating um, sort of followers and, and subjugated uh, creatures. I think there's room to play with that and give them different personalities, put them in different scenarios given the whole lore about how they have different, um, they have multiple uh conspiracies and plans and play all the time. They're ideally constantly ready for, you know, multiple eventualities. Yeah, it, it, I don't see why you wouldn't do that, um, especially at 17th level. Like, we are talking about either a penultimate boss or a, an ultimate boss mm-hmm. uh, but, for a campaign. Yeah. I, most likely. So having somebody with a versatile like even a versatile font ability for a sorcerer isn't isn't a, a, out out of the stretch of imagination mm-hmm. by any means. Yeah, I, and I don't I don't picture these creatures as like a single single target like big bad fight. I think they can be the big bad. I think they can be the ultimate fight, but I don't I don't think they're ever alone. Ever, they never they never no, face you no. toe to toe. Absolutely not. Um, and it would make sense for them. 
These would be an interesting creature to M. Night Shyamalan. Like, mm. you pick up this wise old bird on the road, and then at the very end, <laughs> yeah, uh, mid-combat, all of its allies are paral- paralyzed, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> just turns like, on roll you. for initiative. Round one, it waits to get it. It's any buffs from the parties. Round two, it turns on the party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> yeah, be super fun. And I'd love to see like a series of these creatures, like uh, maybe maybe like reduce some of the CR a bit, maybe even do one that's increased, uh, and just you know, you know, say there's like four of them that have all have their fingers in the same conspiratorial pie, and they uh, even even if they're like aware of it or like partially aware of it or like totally ignorant, you know, and somehow they're all connected to the same plot line, um, and you take one down after the other. Again, you don't have to go through all 13. Except that's a bit much to take on. Um, but you uh, find yourself perhaps a- uh, allied with, you know, Raven Queen, you know, cohorts and, and followers somewhere in the process. Uh, not really realizing what sort of boon you are, you are giving the world hunting down. Bio right. creature. Yeah, I like that. And if you want to go that route where you have three or four of them teaming up, you know, dip into that Hagwell, grab some yeah. of those Coven abilities. Hell yeah. That would be really fun, actually. Yeah. Why not? Share their power. Or, uh, you know, if if it has that hallucinatory terrain and you get that off, you know, give it some um, give it some lair actions, too. Why the fuck not? At least, you know, give it lair actions to anybody who's in the hallucinatory terrain. Like, that'd be Ooh, that'd be too. fun. Yeah, that's, that's a neat idea. Yeah. Imagine walking through a jungle. Only, only to think you walk within the jungle, but you never really did. Just, yeah, that would, or that you know, really fuck with you. Like you, you've got a torch lit, you don't need. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah suddenly there's it's a higher danger because there's some like you know what you might describe as uh, like moss or fungus along the walls, but actually you know different flora within the jungle set a flame. Right, or one of your friends is floating midair, thinking they're drowning while trying to tread water in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> he's so terrifying. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like that—that's the kind of options that something like that affords you, mm. and something like a series of these creatures afford. You know, if uh, if they're taking place on the seaside, you know. Grab some of those sea hag lair actions. Grab some of those coven abilities. And, you know, instead of one ray of enfeeblement, they all act in one turn and they bust off. You know, each one puts in two second level ray of enfeeblement or second level spell slots, and all of a sudden they're you know they're doing uh, suggestion at eighth level or some shit like that. Mm. Like give crazy. them the ability to Voltron their spell slots together to 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 make them higher. Yeah, <laughs> or, or something like that. You know, yeah. like Circle of Death all, all of a sudden becomes a ninth level because all three of them are casting it together at the same time. Oh man, and the ninth level, we're getting into like witch territory, right? Like maybe they yeah. wish something absurd, or maybe your goal is yeah, to or... stop them from acquiring the resources they need to make the wish that will destroy everything. Yeah, or or. From uh, from crumbling the the temple because they have to break it down to ruins to acquire the uh, the ritual of the spell itself. Yeah, 
so much room to play. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. yeah. He's such fodder for imagination. Yeah. I love the idea, too, of, like, I, you, you only ever find them in a destroyed place, you know, and they just get a really fucking player's brain. Why? Why yeah. do we always could, find them here? I I would 100, like, the first time the players meet them, I would totally treat this, like, Uguay from Kung Fu Panda, like, just an old, <laughs> wizened, uh, you know, side character who's, yeah. who's very charming, goes the whole way. What are we looking at for charisma? Yeah, 21 for charisma, so... You know, they, they wean their way into the party's trust. Right. And then at the opportune moments, paralyze gets. And <laughs> yeah. then, you know, because that's a bonus action, feeble mind goes off to whoever your smartest character is, you know. Like it you're you you're not you're 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 trying to, to take down the bard or the wizard, not like the barbarian or the warrior who's occupied by the current combat. Mm-hmm. It's this Nagpa in the background who's you know, dominates the bard one turn, feeble minds the wizard the next, and yeah. then, you know, hits everybody with a paralysis, and your your two frontline fighters don't even know that it was the Nagpa because your wizard has been made stupid. Yeah. Like the only person who has any evidence of it is either under their control or or severely uh, handicapped. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's just like, if you, like, just weave in, if you make it, Things like this happen over time. You weave in little hints and record them as a DM. And then when you finally get to the culmination of the reveal, remember this, remember that, remember this, remember that? Yeah, it was them the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and it'd you be get really to inspire tough to do, with a player man, or two. It'd be cool. Yeah, it'd be a solid reveal if you, like, you know, you, you, you pulled one of your characters off the side and was like, okay, so you just failed your will save and you have been dominated by this not. You know, because that player, if they ever fail again, they'll know. Right. But, you know, every week before the session starts, I want you to roll this, this save again, because <laughs> that's how we're going to do the save, you and I. Yeah. <laughs> and every time you fail, you're going to continue to be dominated. Yeah. You're just going to act like this, this character's biggest advocate, best friend. Like. <laughs> yeah, really, really pushing that, that line of like the character versus player kind of thing, you know, in that meta game. Yeah. Yeah. And I love conspiring with players. I think it's so interesting. Oh, it's so fun. When, it, when it's permitted and yeah. it makes sense, it's so fun. Yeah. yeah, and I know Dominate Person only lasts for one or, or whatever, but you know, these things have been around for centuries. Maybe they have affected permanence to it or something right. like that. Yeah. yeah, play and, with it. You know, instead of, yeah, instead of permanence, you know, it's however you want to roll it, like First thing we do when we sit down is you roll a d20 every session. And you make it look real casual. You know, you make it look like you're just warming up your dice, but you're actually rolling me that will save to find out if you're still dominant. But it's, yeah. Just, it would, it would be a cool opportunity to conspire with one of the players uh, in a way that you wouldn't normally see, and then the player could come back. Right, job. right. And not, not just I, I be find the betrayer, the, but like... You know, yeah, a, uh, a betrayer that that becomes redeemed because they they possibly managed to shake off what has forced. Them. Exactly, yeah. we're looking at a Tommy Oliver situation. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you got that reference. That was, that was Power Rangers, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know his last name was Oliver, but I I just got it right away. You called him Tommy. Yep. <laughs> 
Oh, that's so good. <laughs> oh, okay, let's finish this episode. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've brought it back around to dinosaurs <laughs> and birds and their color green. <laughs> If, uh, if you like that, you can find us on patreon.com at backslash encounterpod. $5 a month gets you a handwritten thank you letter. Each letter contains a single fun fact about Prim and I, as well as some other bullshit. Uh, and each one of those facts is unique to each letter that I write. That will also get you access to our show notes so you can see the documents that we present these episodes from. Don't look for the homebrew in there because it's mostly just us bullshitting Alan Minute. But there's yeah. a lot of other good references. If you want to see any of these photos, specifically of the Nagpa, maybe we'll throw in a Green Ranger. I found a stat block of the Chamberlain while Freeman was talking. You can find <laughs> all that stuff at Twitter at EncounterPod or Facebook at EncounterPod or Instagram at Encounter.pod. If you want to check out some more of our avian episodes, all of which are escaping me. So let's talk about our dinosaur episode. We did a whole suite on that. <laughs> I don't think we talked about the Green Ranger, but we goddamn should have. <laughs> all of those can be found, as well as the rest of our entire backlog at EncounterThis.ca, completely ad-free. If you have the time, that fun little device in your hands that you're listening to us from, you can rate and review us on Apple, iTunes. If you don't have iTunes, head on over to Spotify. Everybody is It shit is free, yo. Uh, you can rate us over there now too they have opened up that ability though I do not know if that uh, helps increase visibility so if you have found us from Spotify uh, you know throw a shout out so we know uh, we know where you're coming from but mostly thank you so so much for listening uh, Nagist has been a whole lot of fun and I hope you guys really enjoyed listening to uh, the, the, the frenetic energy that we have brought to this suit <laughs> and uh, we will we'll get back to you in two weeks <laughs> with our latest most episode which will be called stopping on that <laughs> music for the intro expositions was composed by Will Savino at Music D20 and Burrowbound.